Welcome to the home for Bible geeks everywhere. This This is the Edge Podcast with Scott Logan. What's up, Bible geeks, and welcome to the Edge Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Logan, and we're continuing on in our journey through the book of James as we get started with chapter three. And this week, we're talking about something that has been a a lifelong struggle with me, confessingly, and that is the unbridled tongue. Now, we're looking today at a portion of scripture that is the single longest uninterrupted New Testament discussion on the tongue. This is one of those great times in scripture where we get a full and complete statement on this subject. This is a topic that meant a lot to James. As a matter of fact, he mentions the tongue in every single chapter of this book. And that's because of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, when he said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Words mean something. What you say is a direct extension of how you're feeling and where your heart is on something. I have friends and family who will sometimes try to crack little jokes about others and act like it's just a joke when you can blatantly see that it's grounded at least a little bit in how they actually feel about that other person. I myself have struggled with my words many, many, many times. And the pattern that I can see with it is that in those seasons where snarky Scott Logan is in teardown mode, it's an outer reflection of something going on within me. It could be the lack of time I'm spending with the Lord or a stressful situation that I don't have a level head about. There are pet peeves I have in life that if I don't submit to the Holy Spirit as they're happening, I find it really hard not to start dishing out verbal pipe bombs at everybody. We talked about it on the show not that long ago, but we all have sinful proclivities that are unique to each of us. Uh, While some struggle with a certain sin that the other person doesn't, uh, that other person also struggles with something that the next person doesn't struggle with. For me, it's my use of language. And let me clarify that we're not just talking about swearing or cussing here. We're also talking about how our words can build someone up or tear someone down. But being able to identify that problem and control it is a sign of maturity in the believer. And that's really what James is trying to accomplish here with his writing. James is aiming in this whole letter to push his readers into developed Christian maturity. So let's see what James has to say here. We're reading chapter 3, verses 1 to 12 today. Let's read this and then talk about it. Verse 1 gets us started. Not many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is also able to control his whole body. Now, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we also guide the whole animal. And consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest a small fire ignites. 
and the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is set on fire by hell. Every sea creature, reptile, bird, or animal is tamed and has been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We praise our Lord and Father with it, and we curse men who are made in God's likeness with it. Praising and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers, these things should not be this way. Does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a saltwater spring yield fresh water. So James uses parts of the body like the mouth and the tongue and sort of personifies them. And there have been some who have wondered why he didn't just aim for the heart, since the heart is generally considered the seat of emotions, and say it's the heart that's the problem in all of this. The real reason he didn't is because he was a Jew writing to others who were Jews and he was talking to them as Jews. We've mentioned before about how this epistle is worded differently because of those reasons. In Hebrew thought, the distinction between the man and the guilty member of his body isn't clearly distinguished. The Hebrew focuses very often on the guilty part of the body rather than on the heart issue. Uh, in the Hebrew desire for concrete and practical expression, they very often spoke of the certain body part itself as if it were the guilty party. But when James talks about the mouth and the tongue, it isn't that he, he blames the mouth and tongue as if they were operating independently. Uh, James is saying that they are the organ by which the heart expresses itself. They are personified as the living symbols of what is in the heart. When Isaiah, wanting to confess to God his sinfulness in the middle of a vision of God's holiness, expressed himself, he said, I am a man with a dirty mouth. Nothing more uh, marked a man's sinfulness than his mouth. A dirty mouth is most representative of a person's depravity. So the mouth is like the hospital monitor on the human condition. Right words, kind words, encouraging words then would be the outward expression of a righteous life. That's what James is saying in this section. He calls us to measure our speech to see if it is consistent with what we claim to be the reality of our faith. So controlling our tongue is important. So in verse 1, he starts at the top with teachers. He says, Not many should become teachers, my brothers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a mature man who is also able to control his whole body. So because teachers do a great deal of talking, James begins with them. Teachers are under a special obligation not only to practice what they preach, but to make sure uh, that what they are teaching is true. Teachers should be conscious of this weight and potential influence of what they say because uh, words lie at the heart of any teaching ministry. To have an unreliable tongue is likely uh, going to provide a destructive model for those who are listening to you teach. Since speech is the mark of true faith, it should be a proper measure of those who articulate the faith, those who teach it. 
This also, by the way, points out the fact that the dead faith, uh, false faith, hypocrisy, and deceit that we we talked about in the previous chapter uh, is a danger for everyone, all men. Nobody's excluded. This is also including teachers in the church as well. To lead someone astray in your teaching is a very bad thing. Teachers are accountable for that. And that thought process, by the way, is with me during every single episode of the Edge podcast. You guys need to understand, in no way, shape, or form have I arrived as far as you know all-knowing biblical knowledge. I've been a Christian for a long time, and I've always had an interest in knowing the Bible, but I myself am learning every day. Every single episode of the Edge podcast requires a ton of research. I don't sit here and shoot from the hip with any unchecked commentary. I'm not using the show to become some great biblical expositor. I study the Bible using several different resources that I trust and are proven as trustworthy to bring to you guys my own oral report on scripture to spread enthusiasm when it comes to geeking out on the Bible. Hashtag Bible Geek. I don't have any formal Bible college education. Um, I've been a Christian for 35 years, and I've spent most of that time developing a solid theological understanding based on hermeneutic Bible study. Even as a kid, I was kind of interested in that. We who teach need to realize that our sincerity to do it is by far not enough. Sincerity isn't enough. You need to be right. What you teach needs to be correct. You need to check your facts. James may have had in mind what we were just studying last week about the people who were misunderstanding Paul's teaching on justification by faith alone. Keep in mind, as we always say, this wasn't a writing that was numerically sorted as verses when James wrote it. Uh, So he's coming right off of the conversation uh, when he was doing the correction of the, the misuses and abuse of Paul's teaching. So it's very possible that James is still thinking of that when he's talking about the words that a teacher uses and the teacher's call to watch their tongue. One thing that I appreciate as someone who doesn't claim to have arrived as a Bible teacher is the fact that James is saying the same thing, kind of. He includes himself when he says in verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. So the implication in verses 1 and 2 is basically don't thrust yourself into a teaching job because a teacher holds a ton of power with his tongue. And there's such a high liability to abuse that and to bring upon yourself potential judgment. And you have to understand this influence that a teacher has is more than just the office of teacher in some sort of adult church service. It goes for teaching at a home Bible study, a small group, uh, teaching a children's class, and yes, teaching a podcast. Moving on to verse three, he starts to move beyond this being just a caution for teachers, but but being an important practice for all Christians everywhere. Verses three to six. Now, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we also guide the whole animal. And consider ships. Though very large and driven by fierce winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. Consider how large a forest a small fire ignites. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies 
it pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is set on fire by hell. That's a loaded statement. It's a very big statement that doesn't hold back. James uses some practical illustrations to describe how even though the tongue looks small in size, it can make the biggest of impacts. He first mentions the bit in a horse's mouth. The bit is a tiny device that controls the power and energy of a horse, and it's it's used to give it direction. James may well have been familiar with this picture from common experience in, in daily life. He, he had seen Roman military horses and probably heard stories of chariot races. Uh, the point, however, is the extraordinary power and influence concentrated in one small object, just like a tongue. He mentions the rudder in a boat. Uh, we know just how big a ship can be, right? I, I've never been on one, but if you've ever been on a large cruise ship, you know that those ships can hold hundreds to literally thousands of passengers. And yet such a huge ship is directed with the simple turn of a rudder. He says in verse five, so too, though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts great things. James is saying, control your tongue, you're going to shipwreck. Speaking personally, I can tell you that more than once, my mouth has steered me into an iceberg and then the Titanic sank. He says, consider how large a forest a small fire ignites and the tongue is a fire. Our tongue, our tongues, are pyromaniacs sometimes uh, by just saying one simple wrong thing. It could be a teardown of someone. It could be misinformation. The tongue can start a domino effect of bad trouble and hurt that spreads like wildfire all over your life or the lives of others around you. It may look small, but the tongue is basically the noisy cricket for men in black. Series four, deatomizer. That's what I'm talking about, noisy cricket. Hey, Kane, no, no, come on, man. You get a, a series four deatomizer, I, I get a little, little midget cricket. Oh, yeah. He says, the tongue, a world of unrighteousness, is placed among the parts of our bodies. It pollutes the whole body, sets the course of life on fire, and is set on fire by hell. The Greek word for world is cosmos. It denotes the world as created and set in order. It's not really talking so much of a world like the planet Earth, but rather a system of doing things, a system of things. Here it stands for the sum total of unrighteousness, basically a system of evil. So the potential for destruction through the words we say um, has no boundaries. Our words are as dangerous as wildfire. They can be smooth as butter or sharp as a knife. There's no evil inherited by Adam that the tongue can't promote. It was the tongue that committed the first sin after the fall when Adam lashed out back at God, basically saying, you're the one who gave me this woman, it's your fault. And the tongue has been in the middle of sinful expression ever since then. We're going to take a quick break to support our friend Todd Nettleton over at Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We're going to look at verses 7 to 12 when we come back, so don't go away. Where truth and entertainment are BFFs. The Edge Podcast with Scott Logan. Hi, I'm Todd Nettleton, and this is the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. 
In Kathmandu, Nepal's capital, in 2009, a group of Christians gathered together in their church. But creeping quietly inside, two people entered the building carrying a large black bag. Suddenly, a loud explosion shattered the peaceful solitude. Authorities later discovered that the bag had been rigged with explosives and nails. The blast ultimately left three innocent parishioners dead. Despite persecution, the small Christian population in Nepal continues to grow. Radical Hindu militants claimed responsibility for the church attack, pray for courage for our Nepalese brothers and sisters, and that they will be able to love their persecutors. I will not let my brothers and sisters suffer in silence. Nor will I let them serve alone. To join me in prayer for persecuted Christians, go to vomradio.net. You're listening to the home for Bible geeks everywhere. This is The Edge Podcast with Scott Logan. We're back talking about the issue of how our words can get absolutely out of control, especially when our hearts are in a bad place because our words come from the heart, to paraphrase what our Savior said. James then goes on to say, starting in verse 7, Every sea creature, reptile, bird, or animal is tamed and has been tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. There is evil there that does not sleep. It is a barren wasteland, riddled with fire and ash and dust. The very air you breathe is a poisonous fume. It's pretty amazing when you think what humans have been able to do when it comes to taming animals, both small and large. I've not been in a long time, but I used to love the circus. And you would see all kinds of wild animals doing crazy tricks because they were tamed by humans. Lions were jumping through hoops or elephants were doing conga lines. Some attractions will show you humans riding giant whales. But with all of that ability to tame the wildest animals, we still can't tame our own tongues. Even the most gifted and gracious of people have said things that they later regretted. They could have bitten their tongues in the moment that they said those things, but they instead let it fly. And no apology can undo the damage because their innermost secret thought has been expressed outwardly. Sometimes we don't even know what it was that made us say the stupid stuff that we say. Sure, we may have a little darkness in our heart about something, but at least we thought we could keep it to ourselves. Unfortunately, that's not always the case. And James doesn't say that the tongue is untamable. He says that men can't tame it. Who can tame it then? Well, God can by his power and his power only. Like we said earlier, if the first recorded sin after the fall came from an untamed tongue where Adam blamed God, then the first act of the new creation in the church was the taming of the tongue because the first thing that happened after the Holy Spirit came, was everybody received, as it were, tongues of fire. And they all immediately spoke the wonderful works of God. So the first sin was a sin of the tongue. And in the birth of the church, the purified tongue spoke the wonderful works of God. But that doesn't stop our flesh from rising up from time to time. Whenever we fall into seasons of distance from Uh, from God in our daily disciplines, it can be harder to mute the evils in our thoughts. Verses 9 to 12, we praise our Lord and Father with it, 
and we curse men who are made in God's likeness with it. Praising and cursing come out of the same mouth. My brothers, these things should not be this way. And something like this resonated with the Christian Jews that James was writing to because they knew a thing or two about praising God throughout the day because whenever they mentioned the name of God, they always followed it with the words, uh, blessed be he, blessed be he. And so with their tongue, uh, they were always blessing God. Three times a day, they had to repeat the 18 prayers called eulogies or benedictions. And every one of those 18 prayers that they said three times a day ended, blessed be he. And it was customary for the Jew with his tongue to be blessing God all the time. The Psalms are full of those blessings. So James then says that that tongue is the same one that curses men that are in God's likeness. So James goes on to point out the hypocrisy of it. The Pharisees bless God but curse Christ. Peter, who said, you are the Christ, son of the living God, just a few weeks later said, I don't know the man. So often we'll go to church on a Sunday morning and sing worship songs and hug on each other and love on each other and feel great at the end of the service. And then on the way home, someone cuts us off and we act like they burned our house down. James says, my brothers, these things should not be this way. In the Greek, when James says should not, he's using the words ushre, ushra. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Anyway, this is a major negative in that language. It is very strong in its meaning. James is saying that any profane speech is inconsistent, unacceptable, and a compromise from how we are to speak as Christians. When God saved us and transformed us, he gave us a capacity for new speech, and he expects us to speak that way. And to not do that, James says this, does a spring pour out sweet and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree produce olives, my brothers, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt water spring yield fresh water. For James, that is a conclusion, not a real question. He's saying a clean heart, a fresh heart, can't produce bitter water, and a bitter heart can't produce fresh water. He's saying the taste of the product tells the nature of its source. So he's right back to where he started. True believers are going to be revealed in their speech. If you're a believer, it should be able to be seen in your speech. Now, there are times that that isn't always the case for us. Sometimes bitter water leaks into the fresh water. Praise God for his grace. James is just saying it's a fact that salt water can't come out of the fresh fountain. And it's a fact in your life that if you have been transformed by Christ, your speech will show it. That's what he's saying. Bitter words come from a bitter heart. Unloving speech comes from a heart that isn't yielding to the Holy Spirit. The words that we say are a pretty good barometer on what the weather is like in our hearts and our thoughts. The only defense we have against the evil side of our tongue is to yield to the Holy Spirit and draw close to God through the daily disciplines of a Christian life, like prayer and reading our Bibles. Let's stay in the practice of encouraging each other with what we say. Find the good in people who drive you crazy and use loving words to build them up. Let's not fall into this modern idea that if a Christian uses foul language, they'll be cooler. 
Like if you swear it's a ministry to the world saying that you're not legalistic, speak only gracious words, speak only kind words, speak only loving words, true words, thoughtful words, holy words, sensitive words, and edifying words. Use gentle words, comforting words, words of blessing, humility, wisdom, and thanksgiving. Speak using unselfish words and peaceful words. And if you do that, You'll control every other part of your life because the only way you can do all of that is being under the power of the Holy Spirit. And guess what, guys? I'll do the same thing with you. We'll be right back right after this. Like the show? Buy a shirt. Visit the Edge Podcast store at www.theedgepodcast.com. This is the Edge Podcast with Scott Logan. The Edge Podcast with Scott Logan is a proud partner of JesusFreakHideout.com. JesusFreakHideout.com is one of the world's largest Christian music online resources, featuring music news, videos, album release dates, album reviews, artist interviews, devotionals, and a lot more. The goal is simple, to bring the latest and greatest in Christian music to the internet masses and beyond. For more information, visit www.jesusfreakhideout.com. Guys, thanks so much for listening to the show this week. If you want more information about The Edge Podcast, please check out the website at theedgepodcast.com. All of my social links are at the top right corner of the homepage. And also make sure to follow me on Twitter at edgepodcast1. And don't forget, use hashtag BibleGeek when joining the conversation. So far, my campaign to keep summer alive is working. I haven't had any pumpkin products yet. And I'm still wearing shorts and t-shirts. And today... Uh, As of the recording of this podcast, it's 80 degrees in Maine. (laughs) Hashtag summer all winter long. We'll finish chapter three next time. But until then, I'm Scott Logan saying live on the edge. You've been listening to the Edge Podcast with Scott Logan. Visit the website www.theedgepodcast.com for a complete list of episodes, blogs, merchandise, and more. And above all else, live on the edge.